Hello, this is Jake Watkins. I'm the Young Adults Pastor at Cross City Christian Church, and welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk inspires you and encourages you into anchoring the love and power of Jesus into your daily life. Enjoy the message. We're finishing up our series called um, Battle Plans Revisited. This week is the last week. Um, And I am super stoked for the impact it's had. I'm also stoked for the series that we're going to do. But I'm excited to wrap it up tonight. Uh, We've been in this uh, this series. We've been mainly camping out in Ephesians. Um, And tonight is no different. But we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 instead of Ephesians chapter 6. And it's going to be on your screens if you want to read it along with me. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of God. You may be seated. You may be seated. Uh. Okay, be honest. You ever meet someone that's just so positive, it's kind of annoying? <laughs> like, <laughs> you wouldn't think positivity would be something that would be an annoying trait. But, like, you ever meet someone that's just so positive, it's like, dude, shut up. It's like, it, like I like to be a positive person, okay? I, I like, uh, who hates the second row? Literally everyone here. Oh, thank you. Oh, no, you're not going to sit there. That's weird. Second row is just completely empty. Next week, we're just not going to have a second row, okay? So then you guys can feel comfortable. But um, I, I can't stand when some people are just like overly positive about every aspect. Because if I'm being honest, even if I want to be positive, there's some situations that, man, I can only be negative about. I can only be negative. And, and one of the things I love, absolutely love my dad, okay? I talk about him a lot in sermons and stuff because he's had such a big impact on my life. Love him. I'm not saying that he can't be negative, but I am saying that whenever I call him to be negative about something, he can only be positive, and it's annoying, okay? It's like, Dad, this happened. He's like, yeah, but think about the positive, son. You didn't die. I'm like, Dad, that's not helpful whatsoever, okay? That's just annoying. Just stop, okay? But there's something about, like, being positive in in all situations. And reading the Bible, okay, and those of you who grew up in church, you know the story of Joseph, okay? You know Joseph, you know the coat of many colors, that Joseph, okay? I have to believe when I read about the story of Joseph that that guy was just a positive guy. Like, I have to absolutely believe in my core that that dude was just insanely positive about any situation because there's no way that that dude made it through his life with any negativity at all. Like, he had to be positive to get through his situations. I mean, his life was just, just, just crazy. I, I read about Joseph, and I just, I'm like, I didn't know, I just don't know how he would have gotten through all the things in life that he had been through. I mean, when you think about it, if you didn't grow up listening to the story of Joseph, I'm gonna give, Joseph, I'm gonna give you a little uh, synopsis here, okay? Dude was like a kid, teenager, okay? He had this really nice coat his dad gave him because he was the favorite, Everybody know, you guys know that your parents have favorites. 
it's obvious, okay? When they say, oh, we don't have a favorite. They definitely have a favorite, and it's probably not you, okay? But Joseph was the favorite, and he had this coat, and he had this lovely coat. His, like, it, it, it. One day, his coat stripped from him. The dude's left in a cistern, okay? It's like a big, like a well. And then he's pulled out of it and sold into slavery, He's not sold into slavery by just some random people. His brothers sell him into slavery because he was dad's favorite. I mean, you ever have a sibling you want to sell into slavery? Sometimes, but not all the time. But I just think of like, man, that's terrible. It wasn't just some random strangers that did this to him. It was his own flesh and blood. His brothers, I mean, listen, you can be like, I had a bad day today. But it wasn't that bad, okay? You did not have a Joseph day. That's a next level bad day, all right? And and it's just just absolutely insane what happens to him. And then uh, despite that, all right, it it, it doesn't end there. We read in Genesis uh, Chapter 37, verse 36, that Joseph was then sold by those slavers to Potiphar. And Potiphar was the captain of the Pharaoh's guard in Egypt. And so despite the terrible circumstances, despite his father thinking he was dead and and being torn away from his family by his family, Joseph decides to work hard for this dude named Potiphar. Okay, so he's working hard for this guy, just no matter what. He, it's because of his attitude and his worth, work ethic and because God is with him in whatever he did uh, that Potiphar sees kind of like this blessing that Joseph has on his life of just doing things and doing them well. So Potiphar decides to elevate Joseph, and he says, hey, you're now going to take care of literally everything in my household. You're going to do, you're just, you're going to pay all the bills. You're going to like manage all the people. You're going to do all the things. All I want, Potiphar's like, all I want to worry about is what food I'm going to eat and when I'm going to sleep. And that's what he did. And Joseph was living a pretty good life for being sold into slavery. Okay. He's now the second in command of the Pharaoh's guard and he's, he's having himself a pretty darn good time and he's doing pretty darn good at it. And uh, it says that the Lord uh, was blessing whatever Joseph did. And apparently, okay, God didn't just bless Joseph in what he did. He blessed Joseph in his looks, okay? It says right here, chapter 39, verse 6, it says, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. This guy could have been on Bachelor in Paradise, all right? Like, he was a fine-looking gentleman. (laughs) Listen, read uh, verse 7, it says, And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. Dude, she was making advances after advances to Joseph. And Joseph, okay, he was an upstanding gentleman. He's like, why would I do that to Potiphar? Potiphar's treated me so well. He's given me everything but you, woman, and I ain't touching that, okay? And one day, Potiphar's wife, like, catches him in a room alone, and she, like, surprise attacks him and, like, grabs his cloak, and she's like, sleep with me right now. And I just, like, Joseph's like, nah, fam, and bolts out of there, okay? He runs straight from trouble, and I think that he uh, ran because he knew it was better to run from sin. 
He knew, he knew it was better to run from sin because sin's going to entangle you. It will trap you. It, it'll likely keep you longer than you want it to stay, and it's going to cost you more than you want it to pay. And Joseph knew that, so he ran out of there. And Potiphar's wife, embarrassed, looking like an idiot, is standing there with Joseph's outer coat. And so like any sane woman would do, she says, he tried to rape me. She crazy, okay? She crazy. And she tells Potiphar this, and Potiphar believes her, and, and, and he throws Joseph in jail. <laughs> and she's like, what? I mean, you ever feel like in life that even when you're making the right decisions, even when you're making the right choices, even when you're actively running from the things in life that are bad for you, that somehow things still end up going wrong? You ever feel like you take a good step forward and then you hit with three steps back? And you ever feel like you're trying to move to God, but the enemy wants to get in your way and push you away from God? You ever know that you're making all the right decisions, but you're getting all the wrong outcomes? Man, if you ever felt that way, I want you to know that you're not alone. Because Joseph, as we read in the Bible, he's, he's sitting in jail, and he's once again finding himself on the receiving end of hurt, on the receiving end of jealousy, on the receiving end of terrible outcomes. <laughs> but as I read, I see a little phrase, but the Lord was with him. But the Lord was with him and God blessed everything Joseph touched and soon the prison warden puts Joseph in charge of the prison and all the inmates. This is just happening wherever Joseph goes. I mean, and the guy's a natural born leader. I mean, he must be really good at administration and organization because I'm sure as heck not. But he's like, everything he touches is good. And so the prison warden's like, wow, I, you can do my job and I don't have to do my job. I'll give you some perks to the job, okay? I won't like make you eat prison food. You probably won't sleep in a prison bed. I'll kind of elevate you a little bit. You do all the, the, the dirty work. I'll take all the credit. It's an even trade. And so Joseph finds himself in charge of this prison and the inmates. And there we see Joseph come in contact with some of Pharaoh's officials. And long story short, Joseph ends up interpreting a dream that Pharaoh has. And because of this, this crazy accurate interpretation, and because of the fact that God was with him, Joseph ends up becoming the second in command of all of Egypt. <laughs> There's only one person more powerful than Joseph in arguably the most powerful and advanced nation in the world at that time. Joseph carried the Pharaoh's ring. Joseph carried the Pharaoh's power. And with God, Joseph was able to save Egypt from a terrible drought. And God granted him the wisdom and understanding to store up and bring prosperity to a nation. Look it. If you think that you're down and out, I want you to know that God's just getting started. There are things that God's working on behind the scenes in the middle of your setbacks that you don't even know he's doing. God wants to take you from prisoner to commander. God wants to take you from slavery to freedom. See, God gave Joseph victory no matter the circumstances in spite of his family, in spite of the enemy, in spite of people. And nothing 
on God's green earth can separate you from his love. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, a verse that we talked about just a few months ago. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I know that Joseph knew this. I know he believed it, and I know he lived it. And it's in that knowledge that made it easy for God to work in and through Joseph. Here's why I talk about Joseph's story. Here's what I see in Scripture. I see that you and I do not have the power to stop God from doing what he wants to do. You and I are not that powerful. You and I cannot stop God from accomplishing his plans. But we can make it a little more difficult for him. I think that when it comes to our lives, we can't stop what God's going to do, but we can make it a little more difficult for him to work in our lives. I mean, I just look at the story of Jonah, and that dude did not want to do what God was calling him to do, and he tried to run, and God just keeps chasing after him. He's sending storms. He's sending whales, and ultimately, Jonah did what God wanted him to do. Jonah just made it a little more difficult. I believe that we don't have the power to stop him. We can, we, can, we can cause problems, though. I mean, I like to think about this. Sometimes, um, I, and I know, it, like, I'm not a parent yet, but I know when I become a parent, I'm in for a rude awakening, okay? And I think, uh, like us, who most of us um, don't have kids yet, I think we uh, kind of just subconsciously, like, judge other parents, like out in public, um, when a kid is just, going ham in the store, crying and throwing things. We're like, get your kid under control, okay? Just stop that. It's really hard to get a kid under control and to get them to move where you want the, them to move when they are crying their heads off and going limp body on the floor, okay? You ever see, I saw a lady with her kid on a leash in a Macy's and the kids just sprawled out. Just crying, and the, the mom's like, come on, come on. And she's dragging her kid by the leash, and the kid's like, ah! across the Macy's. Yo, dude. Like, she's just trying to parent, but man, that kid's making it a little more difficult, okay? Dude, sometimes in life, God has to drag you crying across the floor to get you where he wants to get you. You and I have been that person. It's a fact. God's trying to work in our lives. Trying to, he's trying to work through the disappointments. He's trying to work through the setbacks. But when we want to be bitter, when we want to be angry, when we want to be upset about a situation or those things, it makes it a whole lot harder for God to move. Let me put it this way. When we focus so much on what could have been and what should be, we miss out on what God's trying to make it to be. Here's what I know. Joseph had every reason in life to be bitter, but Joseph chose better. Joseph had every reason to be a bitter, bitter, angry little man, but he chose better. 
Joseph had every reason to cry, woe is me. He could have, he could have quit after being sold into slavery. He, he could have quit after being wrongly accused of trying to rape a woman. He, he could have quit after being forgotten in jail. He could have said, God, no matter how much I push forward, no matter how much I keep pressing on, man, God, I just keep pushing, getting pushed back, and I am done. Lord, it doesn't matter if I make the right decisions. It doesn't matter if I do the right things. I keep ending up in the same situations, and Joseph could have sat in bitterness. But on the other side of every single one of Joseph's setbacks was a victory. Right on the other side of every single one of Joseph's trials was a victory. In the midst of his problems, in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his setbacks, is a God who is working. Here's what I want you to take away if you don't take away anything else. You have to choose better over bitter. You got to choose better over bitter. In spiritual battles, when we're talking about spiritual battles and you're suited up with your armor and you're standing firm in what God's called you to stand firm in, you have to choose to keep moving forward when you get pushed back. You got to choose to keep stepping forward when everything in life wants to push you back. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, we read, we read that just a little bit ago. It says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Author Leon Brown said this, bitterness is a result of clinging to negative experiences. It serves you no good and closes the door to your future. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be so much harder for you to grab a hold of the blessings in the future that God wants for you if you're holding on tightly to the bitterness that wants to take control of you. See, I think what the enemy wants in spiritual warfare is for you to let yesterday's troubles rob you of today's joys. He wants you to focus on everything that went wrong instead of what God is trying to do in your life that's right. And I believe Joseph would not have made it to second in command if he held on to the bitterness of his betrayal. It's so much easier said than done, right? Like it's so much easier said to just, hey, let go, of, let go, let go of bitterness. Let go of those things. Come on, don't be angry. It's easy to say it's a lot harder to do, okay? Now, some circumstances, they can be easy to let go. We get upset about a lot of things, okay? But it's like not everything we need to hold on to forever, okay? For instance, um, Mac and I have been insanely busy. Just like it, we, we scheduled way too much, okay? I need to go back and re-listen to my own message about a balanced schedule, okay? Because my schedule's not balanced right now. And everything's going just like just a million miles an hour, meetings on meetings and, and work and, and, this, and weddings and this and that. And in the middle of it all, the low pressure light in Mac's car goes on for the tire, so like a low pressure warning. And I can tell that it's, it's not just like one degree, like PSI. It's not one PSI different than all the other tires. It's like 10 
15. It's going down. I'm like, I know what this is, okay? We're getting a flat tire. There's something in the tire. Like, it's leaking, okay? Sure enough, go out there and check it, and there's like a screw like this big, just like straight in there. I'm like, great. That's wonderful. That's exactly what I needed. This is actually what I wanted. I was hoping to get a big screw in my tire. That's fantastic. I definitely want to deal with this on a Tuesday. So I wake up this morning, man, and we got to drive over to Les Schwab, and we got to pull up, and there's like already 15 people there, and every carport's taken up, and it's like, oh, it's going to be, you know, a couple hours. It's like, okay. And so then we got to, you know, and this and that. Then luckily, they patched the tire, okay? They patched it. Now, I could have been very bitter about this, which I was for a time, but I could have let it ruin my whole day. That's not what I needed was another thing on my schedule. I could have been very bitter and angry about it, but I decided I'm just going to let it go. You know, it's over. It's done with. It's patched. It's okay. I'm going to let it go. There's things that are easy that we hold on to that we can let go. But then there's circumstances in our life that they're, they're not so easy to get rid of. There's circumstances in life that are just hard to let go. And one of our biggest sources of bitterness often comes from the people who are closest. One of our biggest sources of bitterness and anger and hurt and resentment come from people closest to us. And that kind of bitterness, that kind of anger and resentment we feel towards the people that we expected to never hurt us, that's the hardest kind of bitterness to let go of. I mean, you ever have that? I'm not talking about a screw in your tire. I'm talking about your best friend stabbing you in the back. I'm talking about a family member that hurt you. I'm talking about some trauma in your life that's not an easy let go, but that is a hold on to. I'm talking about that kind of bitterness. That's hard to let go of. And Joseph, as we see God lead him to the height of his life, a second in command as a ruler with power, that's when we see he is really tested. That's when we really see God ask, are you going to choose bitter? Or Joseph, are you going to choose better. And in Genesis chapter 43, we see that Egypt and the land surrounding Egypt was in great famine. Crops weren't growing. Water wasn't flowing. People were starving and running out of food. And Joseph had interpreted this Pharaoh's dream about the the drought. And through the power of God, he knew this famine was coming. And in the years prior to this famine, they started storing up resources. And Egypt, man, they were partying during the famine. But all that land surrounding the land of Canaan, man, it was going through a rough time. And in the surrounding lands lived Joseph's family and his brothers and their kids. And as they're running out of food, they start hearing stories of all the, all the things that they have in Egypt. And Joseph's father, Jacob, who, who God renamed Israel, sends his sons, Joseph's brothers, to Egypt to ask for some food, to ask for some grain so they don't starve. And, and they, so they go to, 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 to Egypt, and they ask for an audience with Pharaoh, and the audience they received 
was with Pharaoh's second in command. Man, you can, you can imagine the shock Joseph's face as his, as his brothers walk through the doorway and he sees them standing there and it's been 21 years since his brother sold him in slavery. It's been 21 years since his own flesh and blood betrayed him. It's been 21 years since they robbed him of his life and his childhood. It's been 21 years since he's been able to see his father or his mother. He sees his brothers walk through the door and he remembers it's been 21 years since he had seen the faces of these people closest to him that had betrayed him. And as he's standing there in the shock, he realizes his brothers don't recognize him. He's aged, he's changed, and for all he knows, they believe he's dead. And Joseph in that moment has a decision to make. He has a choice. Is he gonna be bitter or is he gonna be better? I mean, see, he had the power to do whatever he wanted, man. Second in command. There's like no rules for that. He can do whatever he wants. I just think of being standing up there. I was like, man, I can have him beheaded. This is the, I've been stewing over this for 21 years. I'm just going to, I'm going to hang him out in the parking lot. No, 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 better yet, better yet. I'm going to take their coats and I'm going to sell them into slavery. Even better, I'm going to introduce him to Potter's wife. She crazy. And I, you could just think about this as he's, he's going through, like, how can I get this revenge? And we see him struggle over the next couple chapters internally with how he's going to handle them and the situation. But then we see in chapter 45 of Gen- Genesis in verse 1, it says this, Joseph could no longer stand it. There were many people in the room And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land. And and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives for a great deliverance. So then it's not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph said. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children, and grandchildren. Your flocks and herds and all you have, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. I read this and I realize 
Joseph could, could have got all the revenge he needed by just telling him no. You know, he didn't have to put him in jail. <laughs> he didn't have to sell him into slavery. He didn't have to have him killed. All he would have had to do was wave him out the door, and they would have died out in those lands. But Joseph realized that he can choose better. Joseph could have chosen bitter, but he chose better. Joseph could have chosen murder, but he chose mercy. And listen, this, this may not be to the, the ending to the story that we would have wanted, right? I mean, some of you are like, man, I would have gone John Wick. I would have challenged all the brothers to hand-to-hand combat, and I get two swords, and they get a stick, and it would have been bloody, and it would have been amazing, and you're just like, this is what I would have done. I would have had revenge. It would have been choreographed. It would have been so cool. <laughs> but the better that Joseph chose, the better that he chose may have been different than what he would have wanted. The better that Joseph chose was probably better than what you and I would have chose in that moment. That better was what God deemed better. See, we have to choose what God says is better, not what we think is better, because what we think is better could be bitter in disguise. Here's your next fill-in. Choose God's better. Choose God's better. We see God use Joseph's life. We see God use Joseph's struggles. We see him use those terrible situations. We see God use them to save Joseph, and not just Joseph, but God uses Joseph's trials to save his entire family. And I don't know if you realize this when you read Scripture. Joseph, when he saved his family, his brothers were the start of the 12 tribes of Judah. They were the beginning of the Israelites. See, when when Joseph chose better, he didn't just save his family. He didn't just save Egypt. He saved an entire nation of Israelites. When Joseph chose better, Joseph actually saved you and I. Because from the lineage of his brothers, from that family, from the tribes of Judah, comes Jesus. From the messiness comes the Messiah. See, don't let your bitterness block the blessing of Jesus in your life. Don't let your anger, your hatred, your rage, your disappointment, or your need for revenge block the move God is trying to make in your life. It's time to let go. It's time to let go of that thing weighing you down. It's time to choose God's better, and here's God's better. God's better is forgiveness. God's better is forgiveness every time. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of miracle. Verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. I think your biggest roadblock, easily, easily, one of your biggest roadblocks in life can become bitterness. See, because people and things, they're going to absolutely 
fail you and they're going to fail you harder than you thought possible. And when we hold on to bitterness, we become bitter people and bitter people don't make the world better. I was in Uncle Harry's this morning trying to make the best of the nail in the tire situation. And I was getting a bagel with cream cheese. The best. No other way to eat a bagel. I don't know why you wouldn't put cream cheese on a bagel. And as I was going up to order, I saw this lady and I actually heard her before I saw her because she was up at the bagel counter and she, they called her, her number, her order. And she come up and she unwraps her bagel right there at the counter. And she goes really loud. Ah! Totally to make a scene. Like, ah! And that's when I looked at her in her director. I'm like, what happened? She stepped on a Lego? Like, that sounded vicious. She's like, ah! This, this isn't what I ordered. There's, there's nobody standing in front of her at this point. She's just telling everybody, this isn't what I ordered. This, this isn't how you make this bagel. It's not even, what is this? Not even toasted. And I was like, oh my gosh. Somebody comes over and is like, hey, can I, can I help you? It's like, do you even know how to make bagels here? You're a bagel shop. You can't even make bagels. What are you even doing? I'm sorry. We can remake the bagel and we'll have it out to you. And she like walks away, goes down and gets her seat. And I'm like, wow, dude, she rude. I'm like, she bitter. She angry. And I wanted, I wanted to go up to her. I want to be like, yo, what happened? Who hurt you? What, why are you the way that you are? I mean, I was just curious. So what makes someone so bitter and so angry? And I was kind of embarrassed, you know, because it's kind of awkward. Everyone's like, oh, my gosh. You know what I mean? Like, can you believe that? And then all the workers are like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, it's, I don't apologize to me. It's like, you need to make bagels better. No, but it's like, I, I did, I, I felt embarrassed. And I say, and I did my order and I go and I stand over there and I'm looking at this angry lady just sitting in her chair. I really did want to know, what? Why are you bitter? And the more I thought about it, I thought, man, there, there just might be something in her life that made her that way. There just might be an abusive parent or parents that she had growing up. There just might be a terrible ex-husband that she has out there. There just might be a battle going on with her kids. There just might be a bad diagnosis. Now she's got to deal with cancer. Man, there just might have been something in her life. Maybe seeing that bagel was the bitterness coming out. Man, we, when we hold on to bitterness in our lives, it doesn't become just an emotion that we have, but if we hold on it too long, bitterness can become who we are. Bitterness can become a spiritual battle. But bitter people don't make the world better. Look, God has something better for you than bitterness. God has something better for you than anger. God has something better for you than resentment. God has something better for you than that trauma. God has something better for you. And it only comes through forgiveness. Like, I don't know what you're holding on to that needs to be let go today. 
I don't know who or what hurt you that has caused you to have this in your heart, but I do know that you need to forgive today. I do know that even if you don't feel like it, I believe and I know that you can forgive. We can forgive because we've been forgiven. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. I mean, you need to know today that Jesus came to forgive you of everything he could have held against you. That when you came before Jesus, he didn't just wave you out the door. But he said, come in. I'm going to give you more. Jesus came to forgive you in spite of everything you've done to earn his punishment. And instead of bringing justice and anger, Jesus brought love and grace. And I'm here today to tell you his mercy triumphs over his judgment. And his mercy is extended to you. And if his mercy is extended to you, then you need to extend that same forgiveness and love and compassion to others. Here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with the person that hurt you. It doesn't mean that you have to be close with the person that hurt you. Because there are people that are toxic. There are people that will bring you down, that have hurt you. There are people that will abuse you. And you don't have to let them in. You just have to let what they did to you go. In Romans chapter 12, 17 through 21, it says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Man, I, I want you just to leave room in your life for God to move and work. Get rid of your bitterness and grab hold of God's better. Because I believe through this series we've been talking that God is calling and equipping you to fight spiritual battles by letting go of what will hinder you and taking a hold of what's going to bring you to victory. Because just like Joseph, what's bringing you hurt now may be what God is going to use to bring you joy later. And my friends, there's unexplainable joy in the name of Jesus. Can I get an amen this evening? Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we just extend to you, Lord, all our hurts, all our hang-ups, all our step-backs. And God, some of us in this room, man, we've been pushing forward and trying to push forward and trying to push forward, but we look around and we're in the same place we were. And God, it just feels like we can't, we can't get any closer. God, it feels like we can't push on anymore, Lord. But God, I pray that you give us the strength. I, give, I pray that you give us the strength to keep pushing on, to keep moving forward, God. I pray that you give us the wisdom and clarity to know that on the other side of the setback is a victory. On the other side of a trial is a God who is pushing forward and working for our good. And Lord, I pray that we can put our trust in you, God. 
that we can let go of our resentment and our bitterness and our hurt over what could be and focus on what you're making it to be, God. Lord, we lift up that prayer tonight. It's in your powerful and holy name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for tuning into AnchorCast. I pray that you take this word and that Jesus transforms your life in ways you never thought possible. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And of course, follow us on social media at Anchor Nights to stay up to date with all of our events, meetings, and uploads. Thanks again for listening and may God bless you. Thank you.